Thank you, Ed. Wow. This is pretty special to be at my home church, preaching in front of people I call friends and family. Um, yeah, please be uh, kind to me. Uh, but I'm just going to start with just, uh, just a little quick question to uh, some people. You don't need to give me an answer straight away, but I know in this very church we have some very accomplished speakers, some very accomplished leaders, some people who are theology experts who are right up there. I just want to ask you today, please listen to what I'm saying, please watch what I'm doing, and please send me an email afterwards and tell me how I did. I always want to learn, I always want to improve, I always want to refine myself and do better, and it's going to really tie into the message I've got for you all this morning, so I just want to ask that for some of the people here in this church, if you would kindly uh, give me that. So, who is Timothy? So, Timothy received uh, two New Testament letters from Paul the Apostle, and so to talk about Timothy, we have to talk about Paul, and we have to talk about their relationship. So, Paul and Timothy kind of couldn't have been any more different and to explain all this, I want to shoehorn something that I love into this. And uh, no, it's not wrestling. Yeah, caught you with that one. Firstly, uh, Paul reminds me of this guy. Tony Stark. Not Iron Man. Tony Stark. So let me fill you in on this. So Tony started his career as someone who used to sell death. He sold weapons. He had an industry that kind of facilitated wars, he made weapons for the US Army, and um, he was building his own empire, and he only ever really cared about himself. But then, like Paul had his road to Damascus moment, Tony Stark also had a road to Damascus moment. He just sold some of his Jericho uh, uh, weapons, and he was on the road, and there was a terrorist attack, and the van that he was in was, was flipped, and he had shrapnel go into him, and, uh, and it was going to go into his heart and kill him. And what happened was, some guy randomly showed up. I mean, well, you could say that this guy was maybe like Ananias. Some guy randomly showed up and took him into a cave and fitted what they called an arc reactor that stopped the shrapnel from going into his heart. Tony Stark literally had a change of heart, just like Paul. And then he had to build himself a suit of armor. He had to escape this place. He had to uh, get out of this place that he was in. And then he became... This guy, Iron Man, he became a hero to the world. He was one of the founding members of the Avengers, just like Paul was one of the founding members of the church. I mean, this ties in so beautifully, I couldn't have, I mean, I'm starting to wonder if the MCU has just read the Bible and gone, I know what we'll do, we'll do this with this and this. But he was someone who overcame his own demons. He nearly sacrificed himself to save the world on multiple occasions. He became a force for good and one of the world's most respected leaders. And JK did a great job of talking about Paul. And if you want to go back and listen to that on the website, um, it's really, really good to listen to. Um, I was really inspired by what John was saying just about how great Paul was. But like Ed just mentioned, that Paul had people that he brought along the journey, that he built up and that he sent out into the world to continue the work that was going on through him. And one of those guys was Timothy. And Timothy kind of reminds me of this guy. This is Spider-Man, Peter Parker. Now, just like <laughs> Timothy... When he uh, was met by Paul, Timothy was in his teens. He was, he was a young kid, just like Spider-Man. He was gifted. He was talented. Uh, Spider-Man was actually quite a smart young kid, uh, quite similar to Tony in many, many ways. And actually, Paul recognized that in Timothy. 
He saw that he was a kid who was talented, that he was gifted. They, uh, they described Timothy as having a genuine faith, that he had a great moral compass. And just like Peter Parker had Aunt May and Uncle Ben to guide his morals and to keep him on track, Timothy had his mum and his grandmother Eunice and um, uh, Lois. And they taught him the Old Testament scripture from infancy. And Timothy probably heard and responded to the gospel message when he saw Paul on one of his first missional journeys. And even at that young age, Timothy had stood out as someone who was faithful, and the elders of the church had noticed that. And just like Spider-Man later joined the Avengers, Timothy joined Paul the Apostle on some of his later missionary journeys. And Timothy served as Paul's rep to several churches. Um, he pastored in Ephesus. Um, he's also mentioned as a co-author on 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, uh, Philemon. And Timothy was quite important in the early church. And today I want to talk about some of the lessons that I've learned from digging into Timothy. And particularly what Paul uh, had to say to him and their relationship. So I connect with Timothy in a number of different ways. The first one is that he was a young leader. It's a hard place to be in. He must have felt a lot of pressure to do well. And Paul tries to encourage him uh, when he says in uh, 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Paul then goes on to tell him to be a good example and to throw himself into everything that he does and to keep an eye on himself. And like I may only be 31, I'm not saying I'm terribly young, but I'm not terribly old, but I often have self-doubt. I often think to myself, am I capable? Am I good enough to be doing some of the things that I'm doing? Am I a good example to the people that I'm leading? Am I a good example to the people that I engage with? Where am I at? And I've only been walking with Christ for eight years. You know, I wasn't a Christian from birth. I, I've had a pretty tough life, and, and you know, some people would say that even my, my spiritual growth and maturity isn't at the level that some people's may be at, but actually... I don't let that doubt creep into my mind. And as I go through this, you'll see why. I do never let that creep into my mind. And I was given my first taste of leadership, real leadership here at Light Church. And that was through the job club. When my main man, Matt Barlow, asked me to step up and take that over from him. Now, <laughs> one of the things about that is it was a big step for me. Not only managing the team of volunteers and now being responsible for a group of people um, who I'm going to be hopefully leading into work and maybe leading to Christ and leading to church and, and doing all this other great stuff. But actually, um, I was stepping into the shoes of someone that I massively looked up to. Like Paul was there for Timothy and Timothy was stepping up to do what he saw Paul do. I was stepping up to see what I saw Matt do. And Matt is a phenomenal leader. I saw that firsthand while I was volunteering at the job club. And I also saw it when, you know, he's a CEO of a national charity, international charity. He's doing great work. He's managing teams of people. And, and I see him as a, as a great husband. And he's got an amazing family. And he's such a godly guy. And I'm like, how can I be like that? Wow, what a responsibility. And what a bar that was set for me to try and get up to. And so that must have been something like what Timothy felt. But he must have been intimidated. And it's kind of interesting. So there is a, there's a bit where in 1 Corinthians 16.10 where he's gone to, to visit the, the church in Corinth. And in the letter it says that Timothy is coming. And it says, when Timothy comes, don't intimidate him. He's doing the Lord's work just as I am. And in a different translation it says that 
Um, Timothy is coming. Um, be, please be wary of his nerves. I think it says something like that in a different translation. It's slightly different. So it's, it's putting across that actually he wasn't the most audacious guy. He wasn't out there. He wasn't brash. Actually, he was quite timid and he was reserved. And, and, and actually, he probably, probably came across a little bit unsure of himself. But he was constantly encouraged. Timothy was feeding into him in these letters. Uh, sorry, Paul was feeding into Timothy in these letters. He was giving him encouragement. He was giving him guidance and telling him to just stay close to God and continue doing what he's doing. And Timothy quickly became someone who people look up to. He was entrusted with missions of great importance. Um, and that leads me on to uh, my second point. And I believe that Timothy was such a great young leader because he was teachable and he had a great mentor. I just want to go on to this next one. There we go. It keeps on going. Peter Parker stood out so much to Tony Stark that he couldn't help but notice him. And when Tony had to build a team, he wanted Spider-Man on his team. He gave him a suit upgrade. He took him under his wing, treated him like a son. And Peter loved being on the Stark internship and learning under one of the greatest minds in the world. And just like Iron Man mentored Spider-Man, Timothy had a mentor in Paul. So in those two letters, there's a lot of solid teaching covering things like how to lead the church, how to set a good example in conduct, love, faith, purity, instructions for worship and prayer, warnings against false teachers, advice on widows, elders, slaves. But there's also a lot of genuine care and love for Timothy in the way that he communicates with him. He calls him my dearest son. It's an amazing relationship for them two to have. He talked about him with such love and such care. It's slightly different to most of the other letters. He really, really kind of feels uh, for Timothy in these letters. And I found having a mentor in my life being an absolute lifesaver, particularly on my walk with Jesus. When I first came into a church at St. John's all those, all those years ago, I didn't have a mentor. I just came along and thought I was doing well and trying to figure it out. And when things got messy, when I had my divorce and I was unemployed and I was in debt, and I was dealing with so much unforgiveness and bitterness in my life. I didn't have that person I could go to. And I put my head back in the sand like I had been doing for years. But then a guy called Dave Kendall came along. And he knocked on my door and he said, mate, I want to help you get his life back on track. I want to mentor you. I want to be that guy who can stand with you and help you on your journey. And me and him did some amazing work. I went through a massive amount of stuff about forgiveness. Went debt-free through cap and everything. And got myself back upright. And had that guy to go to when things got tough. I wasn't doing it alone anymore. And there may be some people in this room right now who have maybe for years been coming to church. And sometimes things happen and we just, we run away. Sometimes things happen and we have to, you know, oh, I'm not going to church this week or next week or two months later. And then I'll find, oh, I might just come along for something. We get the storms of life and we buckle under the pressure of it. Because we haven't got someone who we can take that journey with. We haven't got someone who can get in the boat with us. And it's just so key and important that I found for me, having someone who can not only encourage me and give me the best chance to stay on course, but also develop me as a leader and as a man of God and, 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 and as a, just as a man. Having someone who's a little bit further along than me who can feed into me. And over the years, I've learned some many great lessons. Um, and I started with Dave Kendall, but now... He went off to Cap Australia, and now Matt's like one of my main guys. And, you know, he totally feeds into me, and I, I don't want to big him up any more than I already have. But he continues to be a wisdom of source and strength. And I don't just have Matt. I've now got a number of guys that I go to. 
what I've realized is that actually there's a bunch of different strengths, particularly within this church, people who can help me in different ways with different things. You know, I, uh, I deliberately got in touch with Ed a few months ago and was like, Ed, can I pick your brains about how to put a breach together? Because I know that Ed's fantastic at doing that. You know, I was able to go to other people and be like, hey, can you help me with this? Can you, can you help me about I'm starting my own ministry? How do I do that? What do I do? I'm finding all these guys of all these strengths and I'm like, that's a person I can learn from. That's a person I can grow with. That's a person who can feed into me and make me a little bit more whole, a little bit more complete. And they all come under different banners for me. But one of the things that comes up time and time again in the letters to Timothy is to develop himself not just with what he's doing and how he's getting on and all the other stuff, but actually to develop himself spiritually. And in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8, it says, Do not waste your time arguing over godless ideas and all wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising, promises, uh, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Training yourself spiritually, what does that look like? I think for each of us in this room, it's probably going to be slightly different. But I think that the spiritual training, you have to look at it in the same way that athletes look at physical training. I think it's no coincidence that they're put side by side here. Because physical training takes dedication. It takes discipline. You've got to make time for it. And you've got to do it continually to build on it and build on it and build on it. Now, I know a little bit about physical training. Just a little. Just a little. Now, in my wrestling, it's so interesting. You know, we talk about wrestling all the time in church, uh, you know, in so many different areas of life. And actually, by physically doing a bit of wrestling, you learn that you're only ever going to get better if you get stuck into it. I mean, I can play a video game and watch the moves. I can watch the TV and see them, and I can play it all out in my head. But until you actually get between those ropes and you get face-to-face -face with another man and you get tight and you fight, you will never know what it's like to experience it. It's different. It's totally the same as spiritual training. It really, really is. Until you take time out to get on your knees before God and really empty everything you've got into that prayer, you won't know what it's like to experience it. Until you really get stuck in and start studying the word of God, you won't know what it's like to experience it. Until you feel that tug in your heart, like some of us may have felt in worship this morning, to maybe get on our knees when that song was playing, I fall at your feet, until you actually get on your knees and fall in front of him, will you truly experience it? There's something very special about moving with that and taking spiritual training just as, uh, just as importantly as you do everything else. And I found that, that that's praying, that's talking things out with my mentors, it's digging into the word, reading my Bible, it's bringing things to God, it's listening to podcasts and preaches, it's working on my flaws, and more recently it's been just getting out in nature, going for a walk. Across the street from where I live, there's this giant rock on a mountain, and it's like you could just you climb up it. It's not a mountain, it's a hill, all right? It's just a hill. You know, the, you know the premier at the bottom of Canal Road where the, where the fire station is? You can kind of look across, and there's just this big, giant black rock just sticking out the hill. And I remember that Jesus used to go away on mountains and pray. And I was like, I'm going to take that literally. <laughs> I'm just going to go climb this hill and just sit on top and pray. And I tell you, this preach came from that prayer. Time with God. He put this on my heart. And I tell you, at that time, what happened was, it's a few weeks ago, I've been dealing with a vitamin D issue, and I pretty much just burnt out. I burnt out. 
I wasn't looking after myself. I wasn't taking self-care seriously. And I had to take some time out of work. And my wife said to me, she goes, look, you need to go. You need to spend some time with God. And my wife's an amazing godly woman. And she is an absolute rock to me. But she said, yeah, go on. Yeah. Uh, but she said to me, you need to just go spend some time with God. And so, and don't, I hate walking, all right? I don't have walking shoes. When someone says, oh, we're going to go walking, I'm like, nah, you're all right. Not my thing. But actually, scaling a hill and sitting on a big rock, like, that sounds a little bit more like me. And so I did it. And, and I just got so much from it. Just by giving God that time and listening to what he had to say to me and feeling it in my heart and going, okay, what have you told me? Okay, guys, you need to look after yourself. All right, I'll start asking some people for some self-care tips. And so that's what I did. And it's interesting because Timothy had a, a, a chronic illness. He uh, is often referenced as being someone who was, who was ill, dealing with something potentially in his gut. And uh, it says in uh, 1 Timothy 5 verse 23 that Paul said to him, don't only drink water. It's a good cue, guys. <laughs> Bit of dry mouth, thanks, Jesus. Um, you ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you were sick so often. Anyone got any wine? No. <laughs> jokes. Jokes. It's grape juice, isn't it? It's only ever grape juice. So, yeah, self-care has been a massive issue for me recently. And, obviously, with the burnout. And the thing is, it's weird. Everyone was warning me. Everyone. But I wasn't listening to it. Everyone was saying, turn your phone off when you get home. Everyone was saying, keep your boundaries strong. Don't get mobbed at the back of church by everyone from Job Club. You know? Like, it's, they were like, just take the time out. Look after yourself. And so what I did was I thought I want to bring a bunch of other people into this because I don't want this to be all about me. I want to give some, some uh, honor to the people who've really helped me in my journey and some of the people who I really look up to. And um, so I wanted to ask a few guys. I sent some, some text messages and some emails out and just said, look, can you guys just tell me your top self-care tips? So the first one is a guy called Barry Woodward. So uh, Barry is, uh, is a accredited uh, traveling minister with the AOG denomination. Um, he's also an associate evangelist with J. John. He speaks at approximately like 130, 140 events a year. Um, he runs Proclaim Trust and the National Evangelist Network. Very busy guy, always giving out on the road. And he says, I build in time to rest. and never work bank holidays ever. Get away in the sun and always protect your days off. So I took this one quite literally. Next week, we're going to Turkey. <laughs> All-inclusive, beach, beer, I'm going to rest. I'm going to get a tan, and I'm just going to have a breakaway. And I really believe that me and Beth, like recently, you know, she shared earlier about, uh, about the miscarriage and stuff, that actually we just thought, we need a break. We need to get away. And that is, yeah. I mean, not everyone can go to Turkey, all right? But what does a break look like for you? For each of us, that'll be different. Maybe start thinking about that. What does a, a, a real break look like? Interesting, isn't it? I mean, for some of us, do, have we ever really had a proper break? I mean, my honeymoon last year was the first holiday I'd had in three years. Actual holiday where I wasn't interrupted by someone, where I didn't have emails being thrown at me, where I didn't engage with something work-wise, that actually was a proper holiday and a proper break from everything. It's interesting, isn't it? We want to have a look at that stuff. Turning off my work phone. Sometimes I literally just leave it in my desk, turn it off and go away from it. Because, you know, if someone were to text me on a Saturday because I'm having a crisis and then I suddenly engage with that, that's work. And it's draining. And the more you're giving out, 
the more you're going to empty that tank and empty that tank and eventually you're going to collapse because you'll have nothing left to give. You need to take that time to replenish yourself. The next guy I went to uh, was Dr. John Kirkby, CBE. <laughs> we all know JK, obviously. Amazing guy. Set up CAP in 1996. One of the founders of this very, very church. Ten years leading it. Uh, extremely hardworking man. And he says, self-care is about finding time to ask yourself, how are you doing? Checking in. How am I doing? Don't let somebody else tell you you're looking tired. Have you ever looked in the mirror and gone, am I tired? It's a pretty important thing to do. Being confident enough to do some things just for you. And again, turn your phone off. Talk to real people. It's amazing. Some great stuff there from JK. When was the last time you went to the doctors and had a proper checkup? Is that something else we can maybe think about today? And the next guy I asked, Mark Greenwood, top bloke, such a funny guy, love him. Uh, he travels extensively throughout the UK, speaking at a wide range of venues and events, ordained minister, serves nearly as national evangelist team, constantly doing stuff, very busy guy. And he says, make sure you do what fulfills you, not just what drains you, and prioritize fun stuff. I love getting away and doing a wrestling show. Just do some stuff that you enjoy. Get dug into a, you know, into a hobby. Maybe go play golf next Saturday. You know, do something fun. Nice plug there for you, Cassie. <laughs> you know, look, yeah, do something fun. Get away from life. Just have something that fulfills you, that brings you back up, that brings you back into, into something that's fun and gets you kind of happy again. It's really good to do that. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of us. I went for a curry on Friday night with a bunch of guys from church. You know, Steve, mate, and we went for a curry just, just to get away and just to do something different. Do something with your partner. Do something that's fun together as a family. Just refill yourself. The next person I went to was uh, Jane Garrett. An amazing godly woman. Someone I've always looked up to. I know you're there as well. I, I try to find her. The pictures you sent me were kind of a little weird. So I got the one from your website. Okay. So Jane and Rob, they've been involved in pastoral and teaching ministry for more than 35 years, you know. There, she used to be a debt center manager, so there's that connection there too. So I knew that she'd have something that she could, that she could give to me. Um, and she's a woman who gives so much of herself for others. And what she said is, be convinced that God loves you. Forgive yourself and others routinely. Are you in a routine of forgiving yourself? Even when you get it wrong, even when you burn out, forgive yourself. Learn from it. Know that you are a work in progress. We're all heading on that journey, right? We've all, we're all heading in that direction. Find someone to reflect to, to discuss with, to be challenged by and work things through. Have fun and laugh. Next, my main man, Matt B. Someone who's been such an inspiration to me, a guy is my best mate. I would say he's my Paul. Um, and he says, no work after 7 p.m. I mean, even 7 p.m. is late for some people. You know? No work after 7 p.m. Be present with family. That's important. Holidays are crucial. Turkey. Give yourself permission to relax. Give yourself permission to relax. How many people don't do that? I had to think about it and go, do I actually give myself permission to relax? Am I constantly thinking, oh, well, if I don't do this, this is going to happen. If I don't do that, then that's going to happen. Man, give yourself permission to relax. He's got a dog to force himself to have more time, in be, uh, more time of being with God and in nature where he senses his presence more than anywhere else. 
Some of us will have those areas, those places that we go to where we really feel God's presence. Maybe that's prayer, maybe that's in nature. Whatever that looks like for you, get something that can help you prioritize that and get a routine of doing that. It's amazing stuff there from Matt. And then finally, this beautiful woman, Bethany Thompson, my amazing wife. Now, Beth lives with, with a chronic pain condition, fibromyalgia. And so she pretty much lives self-care out, okay? She has to continually regulate the amount of energy she's spending, what she's doing, so that it doesn't wipe her out for days on end. She's continually looking after herself. So if there's anyone I'm going to go to about self-care, it's Beth. And she says, don't push yourself at 100% for too long. It's unsustainable. Sometimes you've got to slow down. Give yourself some room to breathe. When you're ill, take the time off from work slash life that you genuinely need. Oh, she constantly gets on on me about going to the doctors. That vitamin D issue, she was telling me months before I had a vitamin D issue that I had a vitamin D issue. <laughs> she was like, go to the doctors. Oh, I'm too busy. You're not too busy. Go to the doctors. Get yourself looked after. And stopping your rest prematurely will result in it taking longer to get better. Yeah. Know when to get back onto stuff. Don't rush straight back in. Give yourself the time you need to heal. And then finally, prioritize your nightly sleep and look into sleep hygiene. You're not your best self when tired and make all sorts of bad choices. Now, this is uh, something that we got taught about at Cat recently. I've got a little prop here with me. This is a godsend. A sleep mask cuts the light out. It helps you sleep. It really, really does. I can't see anyone, which is the point of it, right? But like... It's amazing. This came to me. It's wrestling related. No surprise. Velveteen Dream. Um, it came to me uh, in a box, and it was just randomly in one of these gift boxes, and I'm like, what, what do I want a sleep mask for? But then Beth's got a sleep mask, and then there was this uh, sleep person came into camp and did a whole thing on, on sleep hygiene, and I was like, oh, okay. I've got this sleep mask just sat there not doing anything. I'm going to give it a go. And I don't always put it on. Sometimes I forget, you know. But it, it really does help. It really does help. Doing things like drinking a pint of water before you go to bed, you know? Things like uh, making sure that you, your alarm isn't just too startling. Amazing. Like, loads are really good. Looking to sleep hygiene. Really, really helpful. We're getting some laughs here. That's good. But all of this stuff is great stuff, okay? But if there's three things that I've learned in summary from Timothy, something that maybe we can all learn from Timothy, is that first of all, be teachable, no matter your age or how long you've been a Christian, find your pause and develop yourself. Wherever you're at in your journey, find a Paul. Find someone to be a mentor, a guidance for you, who can help you along the way. Be intimate with God. Train yourself spiritually. I'm not going to put any pointers on there because for each of us it's going to look different. But whatever it is that works for you, give it some focus. Really work at it. Give yourself some time to do it. And thirdly, look after yourself. and Build a rhythm of self-care. When you put all this stuff into place and you look at Timothy, what that did was that meant that he was the best he could be physically, the best he could be mentally, the best he could be relationally, spiritually. It means for me that I can be the best husband that I can be, that I can serve this church, that I can do good work that I can help all these guys here from Job Club and the Debt Center, that I can give them the best of myself. It means I can go deeper with God and grow. And it means I can learn from some of the greatest minds that I've ever met. 
for me, that is what Timothy has taught me. And for me, that has been what's made me strong enough to battle the storms of life. That I've not just trained for wrestling so that if some big lad comes, I can withstand him. I'm trained for things that come in life. I am built strong. And when I used to put my head in the sand years ago, no longer. If a storm comes my way, I ain't running from it. I'm running at it. Because I know God's got my back and I'm strong and I'm well fed both spiritually and physically. And I am going to run at that storm and ain't nothing going to stop me. Whatever storm comes, run at it. And hey, if you've got to have a pole at your back pushing you along the way, hey, why not? But always remember, Jesus has got your back. And he wants to be with you, even in the storms. So thank you this morning for having me. I hope this has been uh, interesting. There's plenty of smiley faces, so that's all right, isn't it? I just want to finally tag on the end. You know, we've got this prayer station here. And often, at the end of a Sunday, I'm here every week, we talk about this prayer station, and there's people here who want to pray for you. If you felt that tug today, that there's something that's really spoke to you today, get someone and pray for it. That's the least you can do, is pray and ask God just to reveal something else to you about what we spoke about today. Because you're probably all thinking a bunch of different things. But yeah, take that opportunity to pray and ask someone else to help you along the way. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Brilliant. Just listening to what Gaz had to say there, I think for us,